Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. And because we're jumping into Hebrews in the middle of the letter, uh, there's some, some background that you need to know so that the scripture reading itself makes sense. First, this book, all 12 plus chapters, is one really, really, really long sermon. So if you think that I'm preaching a bit too long, just go read the book of Hebrews and think, okay, it could be worse. But this is a sermon reflecting on the meaning of Christ's death and resurrection, and it shows a deeper awareness of Jesus' achievement on our behalf. And it empowers the church to a deeper commitment to discipleship, even if our circumstances are not ideal. Hebrews emphasizes the grace of God and petitions its recipients not to take God's grace for granted. So I'm going to begin with verse 12 of chapter 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one else will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and causes trouble, and though it may become defiled. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and holy and ever-present God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, and in our believing, also that we can be steadfast in our living. Amen. Strength and steadfastness for ministry, the pursuit of peace and holiness, along with the grace of God, is one of the reasons why these four verses in the book of Hebrews is part of my, one of my favorite parts of the entire Christian Bible. And what I love most about this particular reading from, from Hebrews is that the author, in their compelling of the church to be in ministry, to follow the path set forth by Jesus Christ, ends this particular section with grace. Lift up your drooping hands. Strengthen those knees that are now cracking every time you go up and down the steps of the parsonage. <laughs> Make straight paths to pursue peace with everyone and holiness so that no one, not a single person, misses out on the grace of God. Be prepared to be in ministry because God's grace is so important. It is so precious that no one should miss out on what we ourselves have encountered and hold dear. Friends, it's the grace of God that binds the church together, spanning geography 
and time and holds the church together regardless of what we may say about our own fracturing. A mentor of mine, he's a retired United Methodist bishop. His name's Reverend Will Willimon. He's a really nice guy. He's a smart guy, but he's also a real church curmudgeon. He wrote this. The grace of God. The grace of God is more important than a pat on the head from Jesus and Jesus saying that I love you just the way you are. Please promise me that you will not change a thing. Grace, Will continues, is how Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, appears to us, works for us, and works in us. The grace of God says that God loves you right now, just as you are, all of you. But there's more. Once we have experienced the grace of God, once we come to know that the love of God is ours just as we are, whether you like it or not, we come to know that through, through spoken word, through song, through, through sacrament, and through community. We are then changed from the inside out. And just like when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, and as he came up out of the water and the heavens opened and a voice echoed and said, this is my son, my beloved. The same is true of each of us. God calls each of us by name. And in calling each of us by name, names us as beloved. Not beloved because of our accolades. Not beloved because your LinkedIn profile has all kinds of certifications and professional achievements, not love because your Instagram feed is perfectly curated, showing all of your kids baseball victories, but not showing any of the strikeouts. <laughs> Loved because each and every one of us, each and every one of you in the choir, you in this room, and you online, love because you have been made in God's own image. God loves you just as you are, whether you like it or not. Our opening hymn this morning, Gather Us In, made clear that God's grace is what gathers us in. Gathering in the lost and the forsaken, the blind and the lame, the rich and the haughty. When was the last time you used the word haughty? And the proud and the strong. Gathered together with one another, not for the sake of being around one another, for an hour or so on Sunday mornings until whatever next on our calendar happens. But together so that to, we will all awaken and rise at the sound of God calling each of our names. Gathered so that we know we are loved by God and so that others will know the same. If I were to tell you that this past week has been a whirlwind, it would probably be the understatement of the year. Allison and I began packing, thinking we would get everything done ahead of schedule at the end of May, Memorial Day weekend. We do a little bit every day, it'll all get done. Well, it was late Tuesday night this past week, and we were still taping and taping, and then we ran out of tape, and we're like, well, I guess we're done. And then the movers showed up at 9.30 on Wednesday morning. Everything got loaded into the back 
of two moving trucks. And then by 5.30 p.m. that evening, we were unloaded off the truck. And as our daughter, Nora, was having a bit of a moment, there's a lot of emotions and tiredness, and Allison and I may have forgotten to feed our kids lunch that day. <laughs> Michelle was there, and she politely said, you know, I'm going to go take care of the movers so you can go take care of that situation. <laughs> and then Wednesday night, as the clock began to strike midnight and Wednesday was turning into a pumpkin, Allison and I were unpacking boxes that were less than 24 hours packed. The weeks and days leading up to this past week's move and this morning would have been a nightmare if not for grace. The love that you all extended to my family, to Allison and to Camden and Nora and me, from cleaning the church parsonage and getting our home ready for our family to settle in to small things like a basketball for Nora and a unicorn bead craft kit that is just the greatest thing humankind has ever created. Large and small acts of welcoming and love. Not because you all know how great my family is or how great I am, but I promise you, you will come to know at least how great I am and I hope how great they are but rather because somewhere along the way, you experienced the grace of God in this community, and that grace, my friends, has transformed you from the inside out. Our United Methodist system for receiving pastors is a bit odd, to say the least. But in its oddness, there is beauty to receiving love from or extending love to people you don't even know. This past week has been a parable. A parable is a biblical example, or an earthly example of a biblical truth. A parable of God's grace. But that is just grace, isn't it? God's grace transforming us from the inside out. Our hands are less droopy. We stand a little bit straighter. We are strengthened with strength that we ourselves cannot build. And then that grace and that strength sends us out through those doors in the name of Jesus Christ to share with others that which we can never imagine living without. And the beauty of God's grace is that there are no prerequisites. There's no list of things that you have to do before God loves you. There is no X, Y, Z thing that you have to do. Yet that's exactly what the church has done over centuries, over time. Telling folks that before God will love them, they have to do these certain things. Or if you really want God to love you, you have to change who you are. You need to figure out how to change that image of God that was placed on you in your mother's womb before God will love you. Any message like that, any message that adds shoulds or musts to God's love for you annuls the good of the good news. A message like that waters down God's grace. One of my favorite authors, you're going to learn a few names over the next couple weeks. One was Will Willimon. This next one is Robert Farrar Capon. He's a deceased Episcopal priest, but he wrote that nothing needs to be added to the gospel. He writes that grace has to be drunk straight up. No water, 
no ice, and certainly no ginger ale. Nothing added. For the good news of Jesus Christ to be indeed good, there cannot be a bait and switch or a statement like, first you must, attached to any proclamation. This is precisely why before we gather around Christ's table of grace, we begin with an invitation and words of welcome. Something like, come, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. Come, you who depend upon this sacrament, this meal, and you for whom it's brand new. Come, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who believe you have failed. Come, because Christ welcomes and invites all of us to gather here this day. Because we are recipients of God's amazing grace, and because we bear that grace out into the world, we can expect that God will not leave us as we are or as we have been. God loves you just as you are, yes, but, and it's a big but, so you know that it doesn't lie. God's love is such that God will not leave you just as you are. Think back to Sunday school. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, she was sent back to her village with honor and dignity and value that she did not have from her own community. She went back to her community, transformed from the inside out. Think about Zacchaeus up in his sycamore tree trying to see Jesus coming from afar. Jesus calls him down from that tree. Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' home for a meal. Not because Zacchaeus was a great guy, but because Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, loved Zacchaeus, loves Zacchaeus. And in that experience of grace, Zacchaeus paid back the money, plus more, that he had stolen from his community. It's God's love that does that. It's God's love that makes welcoming a new pastor and their family a means of grace in the same way that each of us are used by God to be means of grace to one another in our community. So yes, God loves you just as you are, whether you like it or not. But as Ashley tells her husband Johnny in the film, Junebug, God loves you so much, dear to not let you stay that way. God's love will challenge us. We can expect then, though, to encounter God's grace every day in our lives. And at the same time, we can expect that that grace will change us. We will be changed. We are being changed so that no one, no one misses out on the grace of God. Amen.